And uh, my life is being so transformed. I want to talk a little bit about participating in the Christ life. I want to take you to a couple of places. Um, Over in, first, let's go to John 14. That's not the text, but I want to lay a foundation for you. It's where Jesus said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. But he he didn't stop there. He said, no man comes to the Father except by me. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Jesus came. Now, let me just make this statement, and I know this might turn religion on its head, but that's okay. I'm not pointing at anybody or, or trying to. But if we think that Jesus came just to deal with Adam's sin, if that's the starting point, then we have to deal with sin all the way to the end. At the end, all we can say is God fixed Adam's sin. He, he fixed Adam. So when we die, we go to heaven. Well, that's good too. But I don't think that's the whole story. I, I think that when I share with you what the Lord's opened up to me, it's really amazing. Because it'll bring you into so much rest and so much peace. It's amazing. Um, Jesus said in John 14, um, let me find it. In verse 18, he said, I promise I'll never leave you helpless or abandon you as orphans. I will come back to you. Soon I'll leave this world. They'll see me no longer. He's talking about the world. But you will see me because I'll live again and you will come alive too. So when that day comes, here's the, the, the real good understanding. So when that day comes, you'll know that I'm living in the Father and that you are one living in me. For I will be living in you. Here's, here's another place. Over in Colossians, Paul said, Christ in you, the hope of glory. So here's where the Lord really has, it's like I've been under arrest. I should never look at you apart from Jesus. You can never look at me If you look at me in the context of the Holy Spirit, His desire is you can't see me apart from Jesus. Jesus said, when that day comes, He's talking about the resurrection, you'll know that I'm living in the Father and that you are living in me and I'm living in you. Now think about this. Let's go over to Ephesians 1, just for a moment. We're going to go to uh, Matthew 14 in a minute. But I think you picked a good night to be here. Ephesians 1, Paul's writing. He's talking about the purpose and the amazing counsel of the Father. And he says in verse 3, 
Every spiritual blessings in the heavenly realm has already been lavished upon us as a love gift from our wonderful heavenly Father. The Father of our Lord Jesus, all because He sees us wrapped into Christ. This is why we celebrate Him with all our hearts. And in love, He chose us before He laid the foundation of the universe because of His great love. He ordained us so that we would be seen as holy in His eyes with an unstained innocent. Now, I want to read that from the New King James Version. Because I think I don't want us to miss the context. And the New King James, it says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ. Just as He chose us in Him. Have you ever noticed how many times in the New Testament it talks about being in Him? Just as He chose us in Him. What if the, the intention of the Father... was so much bigger than just dealing with the sin of Adam? What if his intention was to get us back where he started so that Jesus becomes our elder brother and brings us into the family, but we're not living separate from him? I see so many in my own life, I've prayed as if he's separate from me. That that there's no union, but I'm, whoo. But I've realized in reading this, he said he's predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the praise. He has placed us in Christ. He chose us before the foundation of the world, before the galaxies, before the universe, before the world was ever formed, before Adam ever fell, he chose us. The intention of the Father, He saw you before anything was ever created. And the Trinity, this love Trinity, this face-to-face Trinity, Father, Son, and Spirit, are together in this place. And He wants to bring us into that place of of this wonderful celebration of face-to-face. He said, just as He... In Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of His grace, which He made to abound toward us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of His will. Listen, don't miss this. According to His good pleasure that He purposed in Himself. That in the dispensation of the fullness of times, He might gather together one, all things where? In Christ both which are in heaven and and which are in earth, in Him. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance. And it says being predestined, that means God's intention before anything ever came into, before He created anything, He saw us. And His intention was to bring us in through Christ, to be, to be des- predestined to be formed into the image of Christ. Christ in you, the hope of glory. In Him also we have obtained an inheritance, 
to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. You see the word purpose and counsel. That we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of His glory. I want to tell you that he's, he's with you even in your... Jesus came to mankind when he was at his... When we were at our worst. He'll come into the darkness when we, we don't get... We, we're not getting everything right. He'll come right up into that. So when I take a step, he takes a step. When I inhale, he inhales. When I pray, he prays. When he prays, I pray. You you get me? You follow me? When I see you, I see him. I see more than just I see somebody that's so loved when I see you. I see him. When I talk, he's talking. When he talks, I'm talking. Come on, somebody. If I want you to follow. Now, let's go to Matthew 14. Matthew 14. It's going to change. I'm telling you, this is going to change. Every, but when Jesus came into the world, 400 years. It's amazing how the, the church after the resurrection didn't even have a Bible for 400 years. Some of the best years of the church. You, you know, they didn't have a Bible after the resurrection. They had the Old Testament. The end of the Old Testament was unto us a son is a son is given, unto us a child is born. That was the end of the law as well. He didn't come to do away with the law, he came to fulfill the law. So Matthew 14. Let's pick it up in verse 22. Well, I'm already getting blessed all over. It says, immediately after this, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up into the hills by himself to pray. Night fell while, when he was there alone. Meanwhile, the disciples were in trouble. Far away from the land, for a strong wind had risen. They were fighting heavy waves. This is New Living Translation. About three o'clock in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. When the disciples saw him walking on the water, they were terrified. In their fear, they cried out, It's a ghost! You understand, there was a lot of superstition. Not far from there, the Sea of Galilee is seven miles wide, but the mountains are so situated that there would be wind shear come across and, and you could really get into a storm on the water. Not far from there is where the man came out of the tombs. Not far from there. The, the Achan, in, 
people of Ghana think that if you see a ghost, it, it's a bad omen, that it, can, it means trouble, that's superstition. The disciples saw Jesus and they thought he was a ghost. They're terrified. And Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. Notice what he said. I am here. Now, he says more than that. I am is here. Then Peter called to him, Lord, if it's really you, tell me to come to you walking on the water. Yes, come. Jesus said, so Peter went over the side of the boat and walked on the water toward Jesus. When he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. Save me, Lord, he shouted. Jesus immediately reached out and grabbed him. You have so little faith, Jesus said. Why did you doubt me? When they climbed back into the boat, the wind stopped. Then the disciples worshipped him. You really are the Son of God, they exclaimed. After they had crossed the lake, they landed at Gennesaret. Now, let me lay a little backdrop for you because when you read the Bible, especially Matthew, Matthew's very good at giving us context. It's important to read what's before it and what's after it. But this is a story that Matthew does a real good job of giving us context. Mark doesn't even mention it. And, and you do, do know that Mark was like Peter's secretary. He kept most of Mark as Peter's sermons. But he don't mention it. But Matthew, he really gives us the context. Because the night before this storm, Jesus has healed all the sick. And he's been teaching for quite a while. And the people get hungry. And the disciples said, let's send them away in the city. They're not far from Capernaum nor Bethsaida. They're in walking distance. And it would have been logical to send them to town for something to eat. And Jesus said to his disciples, you feed them. There's 5,000 men plus the women and children. And Jesus pointed and said, now up to this point, remember Jesus, there's a change that's taking place. There's a shift. He's been teaching them a lot over the course of the ministry and they've walked with him and he's been teaching them. But something's happening in the ministry because now he's not just teaching them. He sends them out in Luke 10, go preach the kingdom. You go heal the sick. You cast out devils. So we see he's not just teaching them about the kingdom. He's getting them involved. People say, well, I believe it. I don't think we really, really believe it until we do something about it, until it becomes part of us. We talk about, well, I believe that. But how many know, James said, show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. But it's not so much about work. It's about how you receive what you hear. Because we're living in a time when people are running here and there and they've got, it's like, it's just one big ear. They don't know what they're 
There's, they're listening. They're going to conference after conference. They're hearing a lot, but there's not a whole lot of transformation. I was in that boat. There comes a time when what you hear must be put into action. Jesus has finished teaching the people and the disciples said it. They're all hungry. Let's send them into the city. And Jesus said, no, you feed them. It would have been easy to send them to town. Jesus said, no, you feed them. They said, Lord, 200 penny worth. We know the story. He said, well, what do you have? Five loaves and two fishes. Bring them to me. I want you to notice something. Jesus Bless the bread and the fish. He didn't create a big pile of food and and let the disciples take it to him in wheelbarrows. He broke it off. I believe probably not enough to even have an hors d'oeuvre. Chase wouldn't have had enough for an hors d'oeuvre if if you'd look what was in their hand when he gave it to them. But something happened. It multiplied in the hands of the disciples. And they fed the men, women, and the children. 5,000 plus women and children. They fed them. Because Jesus is teaching them how to put it into action and to take on His life. I'm giving your life to me. I'm giving my life to you. They didn't have the power in themselves to do that. That would be self-help humanism. They were authorized and anointed by Jesus to do what would have been impossible on their own terms. So he's teaching them. After they take up 12 baskets of fragments, he tells the disciples, he said, Get in the boat and go to the other side. I'm going to send the people away. Now, wait a minute. They never asked the question, how are you going to get over? Transport has departed. How are you going to get to the other side? Then That's never mentioned. He sends the people away and he goes into the mountain and prays. And the Bible said he comes down to the shore and it's about the fourth watch now. The fourth watch would have been between three and six in the morning. Let's say four o'clock in the three thirty or four o'clock in the morning. They're in the middle of the lake. That would have been at least three or three and a half miles away. How did he see him? He's God. He's not just. You understand? He is one hundred percent God, but he's also one hundred percent man. There's no dividing line. There's no distinction. If you see him, you see a man, but you also see God because he's God in the flesh. He came into our humanity. He came into our darkness. He came into our struggle. He's not, he hadn't quit. You understand the incarnation didn't quit when he ascended into heaven because he still got a body. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. Guess who? As you and me. He's representing us. 
Jesus, remember when he was with his disciples, he said, a spirit, a, a spirit, they're thinking he's a spirit too. His spirit don't have flesh and bone like you see me have. Give me a, from fish in a honeycomb. So they're out in the middle of the lake and storm has come. They've been rowing hard. against. They don't have their sails up, but the, the storm's pretty bad. And they're rowing as much as that. Can you imagine the spray dripping off their nose and, and their body soaked with the wind as it blows the waves and the water over on them and they're rolling, rowing. And about 3.30 in the morning, nowhere else do you read a story like this. Nowhere else in the Bible. Nobody had ever heard of this. They see somebody walking on the waves like sand dunes. He's walking over this one, walking around this one. I don't know how long his hair was, but it was probably screaming in the wind. And his garments was probably soaked and it was blowing and he was just taking a stroll. He's not just doing that for just any old reason. Because he's, he's, he's about to show the disciples something so amazing. He's about to show them something about themselves. And they think it's a ghost. I don't know what I would have thought. I might have thought the same thing. If I had seen somebody coming in a storm and taking a stroll, if I didn't know it was Jesus, I know the last time I saw him, he was sending the people away. Now here's, and Jesus says something. Don't be afraid. His course would have taken him on past him. But the Bible says, he told him, don't be afraid. I am here. Peter answers him with a question. Peter answers. Now, how many know they were all there for the feeding of the 10,000, the 5,000, plus women and children? They're all huddled somewhere in the boat, but Peter has got over to the edge of the boat. And that boat's rocking like a bronco at a rodeo on the waves. And Peter has stepped over to the edge of the boat. The others, they're not there. Peter is. Remember, Peter, Jesus had already rebuked him because he's really brash and he was too outspoken in many ways and would say the wrong thing. But here, he says to Jesus, if it's you, Lord, let me come to you. Jesus said, come on, with a twinkle in his eye. <laughs> Peter got out of the boat and all of a sudden, now he's a fisherman, remember? Remember? 
Any other time, he'd have, went, he'd have sunk like a piece of lead. But now he's walking on the water. If you Google Peter walking on the water, 90, probably 99% of the pictures you see are Peter sinking. I did it. Very few do you see Peter walking on the water. He's sinking. Because <laughs> the Bible said he is... Now, now let me revisit a word that I shared with you earlier. He is... The reason he's walking on the water because he's cross face to face with Jesus. This is relationship. He's to face to face with Jesus. And the Bible said all of a sudden he began to see the waves. Now he's cross with fear. Not Jesus. And as soon as he begins to focus and set his face to the storm, he begins to sink. That's why the scripture says, perfect love casts out fear because fear has torment and expectation of punishment. Though that th those who fear are not made perfect in love. Jesus reaches out. He said, Lord, save me. Short prayer. No time to pray a really theological, impressive kind of prayer. But Jesus reaches down and catches him. And then now he's walking on the water again. Why did Jesus do this at this time? Why, why did he walk on the water and let Peter walk on the water with him? I want to answer that question as best I can. Because I've often wondered why, why that one. I know he's God, but there's no other place in the scriptures you find him walking on the water. I know we hear people say, if, if you get it like him, we can just walk on the water. Well, you know, that's impressive, but I've never really had a desire to walk on the water. But I think there's something really incredibly equally that could be impossible that's like walking on the water that Jesus is about to teach his disciples. So Jesus gets in the boat, the storm stops. Peter, he asked Peter, he said, why did you doubt? That, do you know where the word doubt comes from? It's kind of like English is really kind of strange sometimes when it's in the biblical context because it can't really define the words of the scriptures. Doubt. Do you ever wonder why there's a B in there? Doubt. But <laughs> D-O-U-B-T. Because it comes really possibly from an Anglo-Saxon word Double. D-O-U-B-L-E. D-O-U-B-T. Doubt is a double-minded person. A doubt, it means that you have two conflicting thoughts. Peter, Jesus, why did you 
have those two conflicting focuses? Why did you cross with the waves and the, and the fear took over? Why did you doubt? Lord, help me to live with this understanding of you're in me. I'm in you. I don't have to live in fear and doubt. Now, now watch, watch. Why did the other disciples do the same thing? I believe Jesus is teaching something that's so important, so in the context, because he's saying, when, when Peter asked him, could he walk on, the, could he come, if it was really him, let me walk on the water, it, he's remembering the 5,000. You do it. He's teaching them. Verily, verily, I, will, I say unto you, the works that I do shall you do also, and greater works than these shall you do, because I go to my Father. So what would be greater? Let's go back to John 14. I'm telling you, this really, really was one of my... It's just really such a blessing to be in this spot. Notice he said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. I'm the way back to the Father. There's God's intention. There's the Father's intention. When we show up, it's a big old grin on his face. I believe there's a glorious grin because he looks at us and, and we're his children. I know I'm not being sacrilegious. I'm telling you, God is much more exciting than the church and the religion has made him. He's much more excited about you. Philip said, show us the Father. We'll be satisfied. Verse 8, Jesus said, have I been with you all this time, Philip? Yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who's seen me has seen the Father. Wait, remember John 14 later on, he says, I am in the Father after that day. What? Resurrection day. You're going to know I'm in my Father. The, wor the works that I do, I've seen my Father do it. The words that I've spoken, I've heard my Father say it. You're going to know that I'm in my Father. My Father's in me. And he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you've seen me do. Verse 18. I'll not abandon you as orphans. I'll come to you. Soon the world won't see me. They'll, they won't see me. But you'll see me. I see him right now. Amen. Jesus said, you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Guess what people always say about you? I've seen you. I've seen Jesus. You get it? Ooh. Ooh. Let me tell you where the rest is. 
where the peace is. It's amazing. He said, since I live, you live also. When I'm raised to life again, you'll know that I'm in the Father and you were in me and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. Now, how many know that Jesus didn't come to get us into the 600 plus laws? The commandments. What commandments is he talking about? A new commandment I give unto you. Here it is. Okay. The commandment, it comes from a word that's, uh, my wife gets on to me for fixing my pants, but I can't help it. (laughs) Yeah, I just can't help it. There is a <laughs> commandments comes from a word. Say that again. It'd be boring if your wife didn't get on to. That's right. That's right. <laughs> the word commandments comes from a word. It, you'd be scared. Oh yeah, yeah. Y'all listen to this, right? Yeah. I love it. I love it. There's a word, commandments, come from a word, entoli. E-N-T-O-L-I. It's packed with, it's rich, it's strong. The one that keeps my, do you know educate is not what we think we used to, the definition of educate is not to put something in you. The word educate means to draw something out. You know who my educator is? The Holy Ghost. He's my educator. It, means, it don't mean to put something in. It means to draw something out. It's amazing. You, you have to really pay attention because we're living in a time when even the church, and in many cases, and I love, I love people. I, love, I, I would never, ever make somebody, because they may think, believe different than me, you know, and even here, I never want anybody to feel threatened if you believe something different. It's okay. But here's the beautiful part. The beautiful part. Jesus is teaching his disciples. This is the commandments. That you love one another as I have loved you. You do it. You feed the... Come on, you... that's, That's more... That's more amazing than Peter walking on the water. If you know how much you're loved, you'll keep my 
in totally. That word also, in that word, in totally, there's the word encourage or exhort. This is my encouragement. This is my exhortation to you. And the Holy Spirit is going to be in you and He's going to bring this out. He's going to work this in you. I'm telling you, I think it's going to be a lifetime. I mean, I've, I've, I'm so glad to be here at 60. There's so many people who think they know, you know, it's amazing. And God gives us revelation. But, but the thing you've got to understand is, when I see you, I see Him. Because if you're in Christ and He's in you according to what He said, then we're not looking in the natural. We're looking in the Spirit. Guess what? The reason that the works He did we do also and greater works than these is because it's Peter's walking on the water, but it's not because of... Peter didn't have this... Man, I've accomplished a lot now. I've walked on the water. You understand, they, when they fed the multitude, it was not on their own power. It was not separate from Jesus. Peter didn't walk on the water separate from Jesus. When I wake up in the morning, he's already up. He's already awake. But he gets up with me because he's in me. When I sit down to play that guitar, he's playing too. Come on, somebody. When we sat down to eat tonight, when I prayed, I said, Lord, thank you that you're going to sit down and enjoy this with us too. Because you know why? He came to get involved in our humanity. We're not separated from him. I used to pray, Lord Jesus, please come. Come, Lord. We pray, Lord, show up. I quit praying that and I started looking and acknowledging He's already showed up, man. He's already showed up. He's right there. I mean, when I, when I pray, I don't have to look up. I look in because He's in the ear. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, that you're with me wherever I go. The, the, the most incredible, awesome, beautiful thing about Jesus. One of the, I mean, there's so many. He's God. He's God in the flesh. He's 100% man, 100% God. He came to show us what the Father's like, but he also came to get us back to the Father. To get us back to the original place that he inten- his intention was for us to be in Christ before the foundation of the world. So Jesus comes, pays the extravagant price, sheds his blood. Remember when Martha came and, and Mary came and, and Jesus said, don't cling to me, I haven't ascended to my father. Now, it's not like ascension 
When you think about ascension, I'm going to, I don't want to turn anything on its head, but I need to, remember when Queen Elizabeth died? Charles ascended to the throne. You didn't see him go past Venus or nothing like that, did you? That's what he ascended the throne. Jesus said, don't cling to me. I haven't ascended to my father. He took the blood, his own blood, into the holy of holies, the, 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 the heavenly tabernacle. And now, do you understand that Jesus, the same body that sat down and ate fish in a honeycomb is sitting by the side of the Father right now? Who's he representing? We're seated with him. He came into our humanity as a human, as God. And when he was crucified, we died with him. He said, come on, we got to die. Now watch this. Don't miss it. This is a place of rest. He was buried. We were buried with him. But when he rose, we rose with him. We became a new species of being that has never before existed. When, when, when he walked out of that tomb 2,000 years ago, so did we. Ooh, old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Ooh, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. My God shall supply all my needs according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I hadn't got to ask Him to get it to me. <laughs> I got to ask Him to get it through me. <laughs> Come on, somebody. Woo! He is amazing. He's amazing. Let me tell you what He'll do. He'll get right into your storm. He'll get in the storms even that you caused. I mean, I'm speaking for myself. He'll, get right, he'll right, get right into my darkness. Yeah. I didn't get it all right. He didn't kick me to the curb. And he won't kick anybody else to the curb. Because he's predestined us to be conformed into the image of his son. So, anybody ready to, to let him direct us and do it ourselves, do it with him, him working in us? Whew. I want you to stand with me. Okay, you remember what I said? Uh, well, Jesus said it. 
There's one place he says, Inasmuch as you've done it unto the least of these, you've done it unto me. How can he say that? That's his hand in your hand. <laughs> and that's in his hand in my hand. That's him. That's him, I see. Stir up the gift. Come on, that's it. That's it. That's him. When he's praying, he's praying. Oh my goodness, Jesus. His hand. Yes, sir. 